Hi, Barbara. Hi, Kristen. How you doing? I'm good. So you heard me clearly this time. No dropouts? No dropouts. We're getting there. We're We're getting there. I'm starting to feel less and less old every time we do one of those or one of these. Welcome, everybody, to Women on Top, womenontoppodcast.com. We took a little bit of a extended vacay for a few days so that we could re-record a show, but here we are. Barbara, how has your week been going? Um, it's been going okay. I wish I had something new to report. I was telling my therapist I'm getting sick of myself. So I <laughs> she was like, Well, how could we reframe that so it's kinder? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sick of myself. That's pretty much where I'm at. So I need to figure out something new to do or something new to have in my life to get me more excited about just myself, because I'm so used to being there for the kids and being there for my husband and being there for other people. I need something that kind of excites me for me. So I'm working on that, which is no small undertaking. But I think that probably happens to a lot of, uh, a lot of mothers, a lot of parents, uh, and a lot of just women in relationships when we stop, you know, when it becomes about somebody else. Right. And right. We, we sort of forget, we stop investing in ourselves. Yeah, I would totally, especially with kids. It's, it's so much easier to just, you know, especially when you've been a stay at home parent, like we chose for me to do now. I'm, my kids don't need me anymore. They're teenagers. You know what I mean? I mean, they need me on some level, but they don't need me like they did when they were toddlers. And I need to need me. I need to need me. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm trying to figure out what does that mean? Does it mean taking on a new job? Does it mean, you know, doing some volunteer work? What does it mean? But I need something that's just mine. And I'm investing in trying to figure out what that is right now so that I don't have to tell my therapist I'm sick of myself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that was sort of just yours, Supernatural, Yes, That's going off the air. Are you sad? I am sad about it in that I've made um, some really good friends through the fandom, and um, I've written about it for six years now. So I've been mm-hmm. recapping the show for six years. And, I mean, it's time, though. It's definitely time. It's been 15. That's a 15-year run yeah. when they finish next year. That's a long time. And I, I think the... I'm glad that they're choosing to end it instead of it just degrading and degrading to the point where it gets canceled. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have them end it while they still have some story to tell. But it's been interesting getting to know fandom and getting to know the other fans of the show and talking to them over Twitter and talking to them through the comments on the recaps and kind of it's been this shared community kind of thing that we have now. And that show has actually been propelled by its fandom. You yeah, know, they're who's kept I it alive. I think a lot of shows now, um, I, I know for me, I had a show like that with, uh, with or an experience like that with The Good Wife a few years ago, where social mm-hmm. media and live tweeting it now and, and the, the, the opportunities it gives viewers to sort of connect with other viewers, that, yeah. that really, that is a whole other aspect now to whether or not a show is successful. Like, I truly believe Grey's Anatomy is still on the air because of the, the, the social media following, because I mean, and and I love Shonda Rhimes, but the show is awful. (laughs) I haven't watched it in the last couple of years, so I don't know how it, how it has become, but I, I got bored with it. Yeah. You get get bored very quickly. Yeah. 
And the, like you said, the social media following, especially for a niche show like Supernatural, which the average person doesn't watch, yeah, um, it's been propelled by their fandom for so long. Mm-hmm. And the Mark Pedowitz, who runs the network, even said, we'll keep doing it as long as they want to keep doing it. And I think it's because they got so much social media coverage out of it. Right. But the guys decided to hang it up. And I think that was a good decision on their part. So one more year and then we'll see how it ends, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, I have a, I, I'm now, I had it with the good wife and now I have it with American horror story because none of my friends watch these sort of knit shows. Right. You know, so you, you didn't really have anybody like, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the good wife, so just maybe turn the volume down for a second, but season five, uh, they kill off a major character and they manage to keep that, that change completely pro- like a secret, which is almost impossible to do nowadays with social media, but they managed to do it. And so when it aired, I mean, you could see the shockwaves through social media because it just yeah. continued to trend and trend and trend for hours. And everybody was just sort of like, wait a minute, what just happened? And we were all, we were literally grieving the loss of this character. And it was, it was just such a sudden loss. And unfortunately the loss of that character, I happen to think just, just completely destroyed the quality of the show, unfortunately, but now they have a spinoff and I don't know if anyone has CBS all access and it's called the good fight with Christine Baranski playing Diane Lockhart. And it's so, Mm -hmm. so good. And if you don't have CBS all access, get it and watch it. It's a show with, um, you know, mainly female leads. The men are all supporting characters. The women oh, are the leads. Cool. Yeah, the men are all the supporting characters. It's a very diverse cast. It takes place in Chicago. Uh, really, really good. Wow. And if you watch The Good Wife at all, then you love Diane. <laughs> then you love Diane Lockhart, and she leads the show. So, yeah, social media is uh, is I think what keeps certain shows on the air. These niche shows on the air. Yep. I don't I think agree. it's just and about Supernatural is actually interesting. No, I, I agree. Supernatural also has conventions, mm-hmm. which I've actually gone to, and they're fan conventions. And I, the, where you, it's like Comic Con, except it's just Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And you get these things are all propelled by social media. I mean, you were talking about the good wife and the character that was killed. I even know what you're talking about, and I've never watched that show. Right. But I was on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And so. If you were on Twitter at all, you saw when that happened, you know, I won't say it in case somebody's watching it past episodes, but I even knew what happened and people, you know, know about certain things that happen on Supernatural that don't even watch the show. So it's definitely a thing for networks to consider yeah. when they're keeping a show on the air or not is what is the social media coverage of this thing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's... That's unfortunate. I know that's something that you really enjoyed, and it's sad that that's it's ending at a time when you're sort of looking for something for just you, right? And I think it is. It's hard for women to. I think we feel um, selfish if we try to find something just for us, you know, something outside of our family, something something outside of our significant other, something outside of our children. You know, we've sort of been. I think conditioned to believe that if we're not completely focused on everybody else except ourselves, then we're bad people. <laughs> right. No, it's true. It's true. And that's the first thing that I'm considering as I'm considering a job, you know, saying, well, what if my eldest son has type one diabetes? Like what if he has some sort of issue and he needs to be picked up at school? And what if, 
you know, my younger son needs some support in some way, or what if, you know, whatever it's, it's the first thing that comes to mind is not what would I like to do? It's what will I be allowed to do that coordinates with everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. We end up being the ones that have to sacrifice all the time. You know, we have to be, we have to sacrifice everything. We have to sacrifice our careers. We have to sacrifice the time we, and, but more importantly, we have to sacrifice our identities. Yeah, I agree. You know, and that's, uh, and I think that's really unhealthy. I agree. My opinion. So Barbara, what do you have for me? We're going to do a little deep dive into some pop culture moments for the last, from the last week. What do you have for me? Well, what I've been thinking about is it's, it's been a tough week to be named Barbara. (laughs) Um, Mostly I say that even though she spells it wrong. Um, mostly I say that because of the, you know, and I'm trying to make light, but it's actually a really serious situation. I've been unable to stop thinking about this Barbara Streisand thing where she essentially made excuses for Michael Jackson's molesting the children that he molested. And she said, hold on, let's say alleged, know, let's just be careful with that. I know, yeah, I know but, that's, we, but we should have to, we should say alleged when we talk about that. All right. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But she said, in her opinion, she believed the young men who, or the, you know, men who came forward, but she said, and I quote, you can say molested, but those children, as you heard say, they were thrilled to be there. They both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. And that, you know, it's so, it's more complicated than it seems because it's very much just a, you're excusing their, their perpetrator. Um, And her justification of it was that she felt sympathy for him because he was very childlike and she felt bad for him and his sexual needs were, you know, twisted because of what happened to him as a child. And she also blamed the parents who would allow their children to sleep with him. And it's just so many redirection rather than putting the blame on the perpetrator. Right. And it's not just putting, it's not just putting the blame on the perpetrator. She's also, very ashamed of the fact that she was, she considered him a peer. She spoke highly of him. And now, oh my God, like now she might have to admit, you know what? How did I not see that? And God forbid La Streisand admit that she made a mistake. Right. You know, and I find right. that. Well, she did come out with an apology. Oh, please suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> She's profoundly sorry for any pain or misunderstanding she caused by not choosing her words more carefully. But that to me isn't even really an apology. That's not an apology. That's a, I'm sorry I sounded so stupid, but I meant what I said. I'm I'm sorry I didn't say it more sensitively. Right. Like that's when, like when the person says to you, you know, well, I'm sorry you feel so hurt by this. It's like, that's, that's not an apology. That's not an apology. I'm sorry. So, I'm, I'm sorry that you know you're hurt, but no, no, no. There should be no but in an apology. It's I'm sorry. Right. I did this shitty thing. I'm going to do better. And seen. <laughs> right. No, I totally agree with you. And she says she didn't mean to dismiss the trauma that they experienced, but I mean, saying they were happy to be there and it didn't kill them—that is exactly dismissing. Yeah. The trauma that they experienced. Right. My sisters make comments like that all the time. Like when they say, let it go, or, you know, I don't, I mean, I I have, I come from a, I have a sexual abuse in my past and it was, um, my family knew about it and they didn't do anything about it. And so when I hear, when I, 
brought it up. I think, I don't know if I told you this. When I first told my sister I was taking the trauma recovery course, <laughs> and this was like two months ago, and she's like, do you think, do you think that's a good idea? I mean, do you think that like you've recovered from this? And I said, well, no, I'll, I'll never full, like, there's no such thing as like being fully recovered from something like this. It's a constant process. But yeah, I, I think this is ideal for me because I bring my experience and my empathy to the situation. But right. I I just couldn't, I mean, my sister's just, she's a, she's just so passive aggressive, but it, it, you know, it was in other conversations I have with her, there's always that deflection. There's always that, well, what, you know, you need to get over that. And when are you going to get over that? And, you know, do you think, you know, like, do you think you're over it? And I just want to go, you know, like you're trying to put it on me because you don't want to put it on you. Right. 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 So Streisand, Streisand's comments, what that tells me is, and, and Streisand is just so lucky, I guess. Apparently Barbara Streisand does not know one victim of sexual abuse or sexual assault, because if she did, she would know what she said right. was thoughtless and insensitive. So I guess, you know, she lives in her little ivory tower in her house in wherever Beverly Hills or Bel Air with, you know, her three clone dogs and, you know, James Brolin following her around. And so apparently she has no firsthand experience with anybody who's been abused or assaulted. And and I don't know, man, like that's, that's a pretty, um, you don't hear of that very often. That's, it's very rare for anybody not to know yeah, someone no, personally. The reason it struck me, and this is really, I'm not comparing my experience with the experience of these boys, but the reason it struck me is because I remembered when we went to Emerson together, mm-hmm. I at one point worked for the dining services and was trapped in a cereal closet with the manager who proceeded to kiss me and stick his tongue down my throat. And when I told the university or told the people in charge, the first thing they mentioned to me was, well, you know, this is his way as he supports his family. This is his job. Yeah. And, you know, and just the whole deflection of, well, we have to have some sympathy for the person who did this. Do you? That's why it struck do me. Do you remember the guy who used to drive the bus? That like the shuttle? Yeah. yeah do. do you remember this? Yep. I don't even remember what her first name is, and don't say what it is. But do you remember that he was banging some student, and he was like, I don't know, in his thirties, and she maybe was like nineteen or twenty. She might have been of legal age, but it was still gross. Right. Yeah, they ended up having a thing, right? Oh yeah, a long like a thing. Relationship. Yeah, a, a relationship, and not to mention there were. And again, we're not going to mention any names, but there was a rape scandal at Emerson when we were there, and I think it was when I was leaving. And you know, three different women came forward, and they went and went in front of the J board, and pff, all that happened to the guy is he just had to leave the school. Yeah, it it just this have sympathy for the perpetrator thing always bothers mm-hmm. me. You know, like it, it just comes back to the whole rape culture thing of, well, what were you wearing mm-hmm. or where were you or how much had you had to drink? You know, it all just deflects back sympathy to this perpetrator of, well, what did you expect him to do? You know what I mean? And it, it's it's just there's no need for it. It's disgusting. And it really I think pretty much all of us, all women have some sort of story they could Sadly, tell yep. where. Yeah. You know, where they went through something like this and people's initial response was, well, what did you do? Right. 
You know what I mean? Right. You know, we're about to start. We're doing, so we're doing case studies with in class. We got our first case study yesterday. And I can't wait to dive into this because it's two, it's, um, two different people and we have their backstory and, and uh, we have to sort of be able to identify the different, uh, the different sort of family myths and sort of family rules and um, what, what sort of what the other generations, what the other family members bring to the dynamic that created, mm-hmm. um, you know, what this person is, what this client is going through. And in both situations, there's so much shame put on the victim. Right. You know, in in one, in the first scenario, a woman was sexually abused by her grandfather. And when she tells her mother, her mother says, well, you know, you're just going to have to wait until you get ugly and then he'll stop because that's when he stopped with me. And that's right. You know, and I mean, I have a sister when I told her I was being abused, she's like, what is so-and-so like trying to get horny with you? You know, what's a big deal. And that kind of dismissal, dismissal at all and dismissal of the experience. I don't think people realize how that, um, that, that can re-traumatize somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I you know, agree. so Barbara, yeah. Barbara Strider, not you. I expect <laughs> I'm going to say, what did, what did nothing, I do? You did nothing, my no. love. Um, so if now that we're staying with sort of Hollywood, J-Lo and A-Rod are now mm-hmm. engaged. And we're yes. going to ignore the people coming forward with the cheating stories because I think it's bullshit. And uh, I think it's just people looking to um, – cause trouble and get attention. And frankly, you know, something that always bothers me, and I know we said we weren't going to talk about this, but I'm going to mention it very quickly before we get into the real topic, is how all these women coming out, and, and, and not just women, men, because jo, uh, Jose Canseco did it, and right. accusing A-Rod of cheating and like, oh, poor J-Lo. First of all, I don't know, J-Lo seems pretty savvy to me. <laughs> and yeah, she did. And pretty experienced and like, Jenny's been around the block, if if you see what right. I did there, and it's so condescending to me. Yes, I do see, see what, what I did there. there. So it's so condescending <laughs> to me when people say, "Oh, poor J Lo." Yeah, poor J Lo. That's why you went to the press and you revealed this alleged story and tried to, and now are potentially embarrassing her. Don't tell me you feel sorry for her, and don't and like and don't talk about her like. She's so stupid. Oh, poor JLo. You have no idea. For all you know, they have an open relationship. Like, you don't know. So just keep right. your fucking nose out of it and save your stories. And if you really cared about her, you know, go to her directly. Don't take it to the press, you asshole. Yeah. yeah. But the bigger issue for me when yeah. they got engaged, and I tweeted this out when I first heard the news, was to me, A-Rod is the first man she's ever been with that I felt like was on her level. Yeah, I agree. You know, agree. all the other men she's dated, I think, you know, I think the thing that she's always, you know, people, and again, here's something else, they want to blame her every time her marriages don't work out. And no one ever stops to consider that maybe she just really marries pussies who can't handle the fact that she's so dynamic and she's so self-sufficient and she's, so successful, you know, financially and otherwise, like she doesn't need them. And maybe that just, I don't know, maybe that threatens these men and that's why they cheat on her. 
because they cheat on her. It's not her. You never hear about her cheating. You hear about them cheating. Maybe they just can't handle how sufficient she is. And I feel like that that never gets considered. You know, people are just too busy talking about, well, what is she doing? What is she doing? to Like, why don't any of these relationships work? But the other question is. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, about the power dynamic in that they seemed more evenly yeah. matched than anyone I've seen. Because he's essentially he was he is or at least was the her of right. baseball. So for them to have like he they don't seem to need right. each other. You know what I mean? They seem to just, in, I don't, again, what do I know? I don't know them from home and all, but they seem to not need each other so much as really appreciate right. each other. Right. And, you know, you see them on, you see them in like the behind the scenes thing. And look, it could be for show. Maybe it is. Maybe I just want to believe in love. I don't know. But he's always, you know, when she's performing, he's got his camera and he's taping her and he's like reacting. And, you know, he saw her on the, red carpet at one point and he ran in to like give her a kiss on the cheek. He's like, you know, you did amazing babe. And then he ran right out and he didn't try and steal her spotlight, which you see a lot of men doing. Like, didn't we see that with Cardi B and her and the father of her daughter? He sort of like jumped up on stage when she was on stage and it was basically to promote himself. And A-Rod's just like, here, here's a kiss. I'm going to be over here. And I, and I liked that. Yeah. You know, because he didn't he yeah, didn't like feel that. like he had to he's not using her for her uh for her uh, you know exposure uh, because he's got his own. And right. I I think that a lot of times and I never I never I don't think men I never really bought into the idea that men are intimidated by self sufficient women, but um I'm starting to buy into it now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it's self-sufficient or women who, um, I don't know. Is it that they're too self-sufficient or just not available? I don't know. There, I think there's a, there's a fine line between, is it that they're t- intimidated by women who are self-sufficient or are they bothered by women who uh, just aren't available? Just don't make them, uh, just aren't emotionally available. I don't know. I can't tell. But do, I mean, do you agree? Do you think men are intimidated by like powerful women or women who make more than them? I do think that, that a lot of men are, and I do think a lot of men need to Mm -hmm. be needed. Um, that that's how they measure their worth is that, you know, I'm needed by this person. You know, I may have said this before, but my mother said something very interesting to me about my first marriage versus, cause I was married very young before Alex and I married. And, um, she said to me, you know what the difference is? And it might sound a little you know, kitschy or whatever. But she said, you know what the difference is, is that you and your first husband loved each other because you needed each other. She said, the difference is in this marriage is you only need each other because you love each other. Right. And it's, yeah, you know, like this whole difference between Mm -hmm. love and need. And I do think there are a fair amount of people out there who need to be needed. And he, she doesn't need him. If he disappeared tomorrow, then she'd still be her. She'd still be successful. She'd still be, you know, world renowned, she'd still have everything that she had before him. So that's why, like we were saying, this relationship seems a little refreshing in that they don't but need interesting, each other. And, and I think she was even quoted recently, maybe like within the last couple of years since the relationship started, that 
um, that she's come to some realizations because the common denominator in all those relationships is her, right? You know, so this is right. why when someone, you know, constantly has these problems with men and they go after the same men, it's like, you, you, you're the problem. Like you're part of it and you have to acknowledge that. And I think at one point she acknowledged that because for whatever reason she was going for these men and maybe at that point, you know, she like needed to be needed. Yeah, you know, she be. needed. And now that she's grown into herself. She yeah. Doesn't. And maybe she just wanted to be with somebody. Um, maybe she wanted to be the, the powerful person in the relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe now she feels like, you know what? I don't need that. Like I'm looking for an equal. And I do, I think, and this is a great way to sort of bridge into the next topic, but I do think that, you know, we just come to these points in our life where we're these, or we have these realizations and things sort of fall into place. You know, um, I've said to you before that I've always felt that taking down my website and, and, and stopping the, the dating column, I've always felt like that sort of cleared room for something. But I also think, and I'm only really began thinking about this recently, is that um, that was so ingrained in my identity. And I just came to a point where I think, and maybe I wasn't conscious of it, but I didn't want to be that person anymore. You know, I didn't want my identity, my brand to be about being single and dating. Because, and I I think a lot of men saw that as, oh, well, you know, her whole thing revolves around being single. Like if she's in a relationship, she's not going to want to be in a relationship because, and I think that that was like, I don't think anything we do is, is like, is a sort of uh, random, you know, I think, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of bloggers do this, you know, where they start a dating blog and they talk about all the, their, all the sex they have. And, Oh, you know, there's a girl in London, woman in London, and she's a virgin and it's just all she fucking talks about. And she does interviews about being a virgin, but she also writes blog posts about like not being able to find anybody to date. <laughs> it's like, hun, these two things are connected. Whether you see it or not, like you, you, you're potentially intentionally sabotaging yourself without knowing it. And I think I could have been doing right. that with the column. So uh, to move into the next bit. Um, so uh, last night, uh, D and I, uh, agreed to be exclusive. Yeah. So, oh, nice. <laughs> and I, I broached that topic because I felt like, okay, we're at a point now where I kind of want, I, I guess I did want it defined. I did kind of want to know, like, are we on the same page and what's going on? And, you know, are you sleeping with anybody sure. else? And so we were just... We had just finished dinner and I had made cookies. And so we were eating cookies and drinking wine. And I said, so um, I have a question. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and I said, are you sleeping with anybody else? And he said, no. And I said, are, you know, are you dating anybody else? And he said, no. And I said, well, um, you know, I'm not dating anybody else either. And I really don't want to. And he said, oh, nice. you know, I, he agreed. He said, I'm not, I don't there's no one else I want to date either. And I said, Oh, okay. And I said, so did we just kind of agree that it's just gonna be you and me? He goes, I think so. And I said, 
So, like, are you my boyfriend? And he goes, I, I mean, if you want to put a label on it, sure. <laughs> and it's adorable, That's right? Adorable. It's cute. But the more I think about this, yes. right? And I used to, we would write this on, I would get mm-hmm. these letters all the time from women on the column about, well, I've been out with him like four or five times and he, you know, why doesn't he want to commit? And, you know, why doesn't he want a relationship? And it's like, whoa, 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 four or five times, you know, you don't really even know each other. But a a frequent commenter, um, he, he went by DMN, he would always say that commitment, it's, it's just words, right? It's just, I'm pledging to do this for now because it works for me for now. There are no repercussions if someone decides, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Now, if you get married, that's a little bit different. There are repercussions. There are legal repercussions. There are financial repercussions. But if you're dating somebody and, you know, five dates in, they're like, yeah, sure, I'll stop uh, sleeping with other people, fingers crossed behind their back. They're, they're, They're agreeing to be exclusive now, not forever. And right. I guess. It makes me sad. That makes me sad. But, you know, there's so much importance put on this. Like, let, let me be honest. The most exciting thing to me, and I shouldn't, I probably, you know what? Fuck it. I mean, I'm going to say this. The most exciting thing to me about being exclusive with D isn't like being exclusive with D because I know it could change at any minute. The most exciting thing to me is, and I'm going to fully admit it, is I get to now say I have a boyfriend after years and years and years of not having one, I get to say, see, I'm not the fucked up damaged thing you think I am. I get to now say things on social media. You know, I get to now be part of that. And I do think that's a big reason why we want someone to commit to us is so we can join that club. Okay. So you don't think think it's it's a trust issue? issue? Um, I think because if somebody says that to you, that they're, you're placing their your trust in them, that they're going to live up to it, and you're exchanging a trustworthy experience with one another that maybe you haven't had before, so is it like a trust test? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I will say that uh, I do trust him. I do. But I also trust me. And in that if right. two months down the road or a month down the road or six months, if it doesn't work out, I know I'm going to be okay. And I think that's more important than trusting him because I know me, like I can't control him, but I can control me. And so I trust me and I trust me enough to know that if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay. And it's not a reflection of my worth or my value. And I do, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to we seek that external validation, you know, like I, there mm-hmm. were always writers. One thing that always annoyed the shit out of me <laughs> was when writers would, um, they'd be dating somebody for like two months and then they go, like, okay, well, here's what I did when I met so-and-so. And this is what I did with my dating profile. And, you know, they wrote like a little tutorial about how they landed this guy that they've been dating for two months. And then a month later, it would be over. And, you know, or they, <laughs> there was one girl to this day, she still hates me. And she, <laughs> she um, met a guy online. He was from Australia. He was here on a visa. 
after dating like three months, they agreed to get married because his visa was expiring. And so she told everybody that the oh visa boy. was expiring. So everyone's like, eh, it's a green card marriage. And so she would write about how she's like, I'm so frustrated that people think my marriage is a green card marriage. Bah, 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 bah. It's like, bitch. First of all, it was a green card marriage in the sense that you only got married at that time because his visa was expiring. However, that's not the point. Right. The bigger point was the minute she and this guy got married, it was, oh, let me tell you about why I didn't take his last name. And let me tell you about how I felt about it on my wedding day and the pressure on, the, on my body. And I'm like, you went to fucking City Hall. You wore some some friend's dress. And then you went to fucking Hojo's and you had a burger with your family and everybody else. Stop acting like you were at St. Patrick's Cathedral with your huge bridal party and that this has been in the works for a year. You guys got married to keep him in the country. <laughs> Stop. And I think, yeah. And yet you're resenting the people call it a green card, card marriage. marriage. So people, you know, I think for her, this was my always my read. It's that sanctimonious. Now I get, uh, now I'm on this level, and I'm above you guys. So now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna preach right. to you all about what my, you know what, you know what's great about being married, and look, look at what we do, and look at how our life is different. It's like fuck you. You'd only be married. You're only married because he was here on the visa. Oh, you asshole. <laughs> but there's and ab and and like that's how I feel. I'm like, oh good. I'm now gonna talk about it on my podcast, and then I'm gonna talk about it on, I'm gonna say I'm exclusive on social media. And oh look, I get to announce it. I have a boyfriend. But it's not, you know, oh, I found somebody that I'm really, really comfortable with and that I really care about and that I'm really attracted to. And, you know, I, I, it's, I should say it's those two things, those two realizations, they're equal. Like I'm very grateful that I met somebody great and he's great. Right. But I'm also like excited that I can now do what other people do and say, well, I have a boyfriend. Well, I have a, I'm in a relationship and there is that bragging yeah. rights to it. And I think between the bragging rights and the trust issues, I think that's what makes people want to rush into commitment, right? Hmm. Because I could have very easily just yeah, gone no, on, like, honestly, I could have just kept going without ever having this conversation. And in my mind, excuse me, I just burped. Sorry about that. In my mind, um, like, said, <laughs> I doubt he's dating anybody else, and I doubt he's sleeping with anybody else. I never was worried that he was dating or sleeping with anybody else. That was never a concern. I just wanted to put a label on it. Right. So that, there isn't, right. but There's I think it's important that, to be very aware of why you want that commitment. And it's also yes. important to understand that. I agree. Those words mean nothing. They, at the end of the day, those words mean nothing. Okay. See, I don't agree with you on that one. I think the words mean something because they they tell the other person that I'm making a promise mm -hmm. to you and you can trust me. And if that person violates – now, if they come to – I understand what you mean in that they mean nothing in that they could come mm -hmm. to you in two months and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I get that. That's not It's not the extreme level of commitment that a legal partnership or a legal marriage would be. But I also think that yes, it's that, that's fair. An and I, 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 I'm being too flippant, and I'm, 
I'm being very glib, as Tom Cruise would say. Uh, I'm being very glib about about this. Yes, there is there is uh, the sentiment and the promise. There is value to that, of course. When I say it doesn't mean anything, right? I think I need to reframe that a bit and rephrase it and say that it doesn't carry the weight that you think it does. Because yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, people, and I've said this before, people are as honest as their options at the time. So if someone says, yeah, sure. And I can tell you how many, how many letters I would receive from women who would say, well, you know, we were dating two weeks and he agreed to be exclusive. And then we start having sex. Well, yeah, because you use sex as a fucking bartering tool. And he probably hadn't gotten laid in a month or a couple months. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. And then two months down the road, they're like, and then he broke up with me. It's like, wow, really? That's shocking that you use sex to get commitment. And then he knew what you were doing and he bolted once he was bored, once he was done and got what he wanted. You know, I I don't know. I think people, I think we need to take more time before we commit to people because look, um, a month from now, like once we start spending like three times a week together, who knows? He might hate me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Barbara, you've spent <laughs> days upon days upon days with me, 24 hour, 24 seven. And uh, I think we both know <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> Well, we all do. I mean, seriously, that's what I've, I just recently wrote an article that an essay that's going to be put up soon that uh, was talking about how to be an anxious person that's married to a non-anxious person. And it's because I'm a very anxious person and my husband is very much not. And there was a whole paragraph in there of saying, why Mm -hmm. do you choose me? Like, why do you choose this? You could choose a woman who is less anxious or a woman who has less psychological you know, baggage that I have. And mm-hmm. he very much just says, it's you. There's, it's, it's you. There's a unique package together of, of you that puts it all together. But we all have our, you know, doubts mm-hmm. about, am I a lot to take on? I know I'm a lot to take on. So it's, it's when that other person says to you, yes, I'm, I know it means, I see what you're saying in that. It means more if they've taken the time to get to know you and say, mm-hmm. I'm taking on this commitment to you, you know, the person that I know, as opposed to two weeks yeah. in, who's like, yeah, yeah. she's kind of fun and yeah. I'd like to have sex with her, you know, and I, like take the time to get to know what you're committing to, because commitments only have the depth right. that you give them that's based very, on the person that you're giving it, them so, to. Yeah. And one other thing you know, I asked him, because uh, I, I brought up, I brought up that woman we were talking about earlier this week. And I, that I mentioned on a show a couple of weeks ago, it's the woman who, um, she writes mm-hmm. quite frequently about her sexual abuse and she has a book coming out. And of course the book revolves around the sexual abuse and it's a, it's a self-help and dating advice book. Uh, and she's a abuse survivor. And first of all, I have to admit, absolute, there's professional jealousy there and shame on my part because I'm like, Ugh, this is something I've always wanted mm-hmm. to do and I've just never managed to finish it. And I've, ne- and I've, never been disciplined enough and God damn it. So on one hand, God bless her because she did something that I didn't, I couldn't do and that I haven't done. So she deserves praise in, in that right. sense. But one thing I asked D 
yesterday or this morning was, um, did you, did you feel differently about me when you, when you learned that I'd been sexually abused? Like, did you, did you, was there a stigma? And he says, well, well, there's definitely a stigma in general. And I understand it. He said, but I didn't, I didn't see you differently because of how you presented it. And he, he said, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, you presented it as just a part of you. You know, this person that you're talking with, cause I was telling him about this woman right. and about how she had gotten so much feedback from editors saying, you know, your, your platform is problematic, you know, and her friend, she had writer friends saying, stop writing about right. this. And he said, you know, this woman sounds like this, this is the most, you know, this defines her. And he said, I never felt, you know, I didn't get the sense that it defined you. Right. And, uh, you know, and what I liked right. was that he didn't say, well, you know, you seem pretty stable and you seem pretty this or that because, you know, that that's not really part of it. Like even somebody who doesn't have abuse in their background could be like emotionally volatile. You know, so I'm glad he didn't frame it as, Absolutely. well, sexual abuse equals instability. You know, he, he framed it as, well, you seem like this is right. like how you've, how you've dealt with it and how you've addressed it. Like, this is just such a small part of you, you know? Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I was saying before about my husband saying it's a total package and that mm-hmm. my anxiety isn't what defines me. And how I deal with that is, you know, in his own way, he says, you know, I admire the way that you deal with, you know, anxiety overcoming you, how you get out of it, how you do. It's it's, it's a very similar thing is that we're both being looked at as a package as opposed to building your identity on that one thing. Yeah, it is nice. So I'm uh, just nice. Pretty happy. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't thrilled at the regular sex. <laughs> My sister always, she's like, so how are things with uh, D? I'm like, uh-huh, good, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to say things like, oh, well, you know, he stayed over last night because that implies and we had sex. And I still, I just don't feel comfortable having those conversations with my sisters right. because I, I think I just don't want them to know that much. Um, but hey, if they're listening, <laughs> I'm Right. How you doing? <laughs> Which I doubt. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, things are good. The steady sex is great. I enjoy it. I enjoy him. Okay. Apparently he likes me too. So who knew? Um, did you ever see that cartoon where it's it's really cute? It's a young couple and, and the woman is saying, so you like me? And the guy's, the guy's saying, yeah, I, I really do. And then it's the next day is their wedding day. And she's like, so you really, really like me? And the guy's, yep, I still do. And then this is them as an elderly or ha- with a baby carriage. And you still like me? Yep, I'm still here. And the last one is like, they're both elderly and decrepit. And she's like, so you still like me? <laughs> and he's like, yep, I yep. still do. And I just yep. thought, like, that's wow. me on some level. You're kidding. Say that like, again. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, and it is. It's just like, oh my God, somebody Amazing. likes me. I'm likable. I'm not... You know, right? I'm not. Uh, what? Yay. Achievement unlocked. My achievement unlocked. I'm not the mess that I thought unlocked. I was. Or maybe I am, but that mess is only a part of me. <laughs> you know. So for people who think, oh, I've been through this, okay. and that makes me damaged, and that makes me this, and you know what? 
it's only a part of you. And it's all about how you, uh, how you deal with it and how That's you address right. it. And, uh, you know, don't let it define you and it won't define you. And everybody has their issues. Everybody has their stuff. So that's right. I think that's a great place to uh, stop, Barbara. People, thank you for tuning in. Women on yes, Top Podcast.com. Follow us on the Twitter, Women on Top Pod. Follow us on Instagram, Women on Top Podcast. Follow us on Patreon if you want to. I always feel very bad about <laughs> asking people to do that. But, you know, if you, if you feel like it, it would be nice. We have a. Uh, we have some. Uh, we have a extra. We have a bonus yeah, episode okay. coming up about serial killers, and we have some extra columns that are going to be posted this week. You get some extra dating advice and extra episodes and shout outs if you want one. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in, Barbara. I love you, and you're the best. All right, my dear. Let's talk soon. Same. Bye. Right back at you, sister. Bye.